You're a busy provider trying to stay current with the latest HIV testing, prevention, and treatment guidelines, and your pockets are overflowing with note cards. You need a convenient, trustworthy source for HIV testing, treatment, prevention, and care protocols. All healthcare professionals have a role in stopping HIV. Introducing HIV Care Tools from the AIDS Education and Training Center program. The HIV Care Tools mobile app is simple, free, and fully functional offline or online. It features quick guides for HIV prevention, screening, testing, diagnosis, and treatment. HIV Care Tools provides common clinical calculators used in HIV management and provide validated screening tools for comorbidities such as depression, substance use disorders, and PTSD. And if you need clinician-to-clinician consultation, HIV Care Tools provides one-touch access to free clinical consultation services by a multidisciplinary team of experts. Take us with you. Download HIV Care Tools today. Welcome to Nika in the Know, a podcast for healthcare providers in the HIV field. I'm Mariana Braitman. Today, I'm joined by John Farragon to talk about the latest in COVID-19 vaccine information. Welcome again, John. Yeah, thanks again for having me. So, John, what has changed in regards to some of the COVID-19 vaccines since we last talked about them a few months ago? Yeah, so I thought we would review some of the data um, from COVID-19 vaccines. Um, We haven't talked about this in a while, so I thought it would be good for us to review uh, some of this information, especially for people who want to kind of be up to date on some of these topics. Um, It's going to be a focus just on those who are 18 and older. I know there's some differences um, with vaccines, you know, as far as younger people, but for those who are 18 and older is really going to be the purpose of this update. So first, let's start with Pfizer, uh, Mariana, and um, the Pfizer primary series. So this is what we talk about when somebody has the primary series. What's that What's that defined as? So really, it's two doses of the Pfizer um, BioNTech vaccine given three to eight weeks apart, and then patients are considered fully vaccinated two weeks after that final dose in the primary series. So many of us, I think, who are listening today probably got our two doses of Pfizer or even our two doses of Moderna. And you know, we're considered, you know, we were initially considered kind of vaccinated two weeks after that primary series. But now, as many of you know, there was a booster recommended. And for those over 50, possibly even a second booster. But for that first booster, it's one dose of the booster um, of either Pfizer, uh, BioNTech, or Moderna COVID-19 vaccine at least five months after the final dose of the primary series. And this is this is kind of defined as the vaxxed and boosted group. So for the booster, you basically you wait five months after you've gotten um, the second dose in the primary series, and then you can either take either Pfizer or Moderna. So that's that whole story about the mix and match. And we covered that, I think, a while back. Uh, but mixing and matching is okay. It's okay for you to have gotten Pfizer and then switch to Moderna for your booster. Or if you've got Moderna for your primary series, switch to Pfizer for your for your booster. That's completely fine. But once you've received that, that first booster dose, so you've got the two primary series, the two doses in that, and then, the, then your third dose is basically your first booster. And once you've received that, then you're really considered you know, vaxxed and boosted, and you're pretty much up to date um, from a um, from a uh, uh, from a vaccine uh, standpoint. So, based on some data from Israel, which is again relatively short follow up, those those people aged 50 years and older can choose to receive a second booster dose of either Pfizer or Moderna 
at least four months after the first booster. So this would be a total of, um, of, of three doses previously, and then this would be the this would actually be a, a fourth a fourth dose actually um, for uh, for that sec for that for that second booster for those over fifty. So when we use the term up to date, though, Mariana, I think it's important for us to realize that this really means when someone has received their primary series. And immediately after getting that first booster, they're considered up to date with vaccination. So even though you might be over 50 and you haven't gotten that second booster, if you've gotten the first booster, you're still considered to be to be up to date with vaccination. But again, you know, these are these are things that are kind of uh, still still kind of in flux. Got it. So what can you tell us about Moderna and Johnson and Johnson? Yeah, so with Moderna, the primary series is also a two-dose regimen, and it's given four to eight weeks apart, and people are considered fully vaccinated two weeks after the primary, after that primary series is completed. Very similar to what we saw with the with the Pfizer, with the Pfizer BioNTech. And then for the booster, okay, it's one dose of either Pfizer or Moderna, again, that mix and match idea. Um, recommended at least five months after that final dose in the primary series. And again, the vaxxed and boosted group um, would be those people who've gotten their first dose and then they've gotten a second, uh, their, their first their first two doses in the primary series, and then five months later have gotten their, their booster dose. And for also for Moderna, very similar to Pfizer, if you're over 50, um, you can choose to receive a second booster um, of either Pfizer, BioNTech, or Moderna um, at least four months after the first booster. And again, you know, same, same terminology for Moderna up to date is really me uh, immediately after getting that getting that first booster dose, but that second booster dose is for those people who are who are 50, uh, 50 and older can receive that. Now, I just want to spend a little bit of time talking a little bit about Johnson and Johnson. So, as you remember, Johnson and Johnson was a one dose vaccine, right? So, the one dose of Johnson and Johnson uh, or the Janssen Janssen, some people say, fully vaccinated um, two weeks after that vaccination is completed for boosters. Um, the recommendation is to, to get a booster of either Pfizer or Moderna, and that's recommended at least two months uh, after a J&J uh, Janssen vaccine. That's, remember, the other, the other recommendation is five for the other two, uh, two uh, primary series, but this one is actually two months after. Uh, and then anyone who received a J&J COVID-19 vaccine for both their primary dose and booster can receive a second booster of either Pfizer, BioNTech, or Moderna COVID-19 at least four months after their first booster. So adults who are 50 and older um, can um, uh, can choose to uh, to receive uh, the um, uh, can actually choose to receive a second dose of either Pfizer or, or, or Moderna for their second booster. Uh, but again, that most people I don't think right now at this point would be would be getting the J and J any any longer. Um, so immediately after getting that first booster, but but you know um, most people are considered to be up to date after getting that first booster. But again, we'll talk more about J and J and some of the concerns concerns in a, in a few seconds here. So I understand that the FDA issued some new guidance recently about the J and J vaccine as it related to blood clots. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, yeah, so this is important, probably the most important thing we've covered on vaccines in a while. But again, uh, many of you may, may remember some of the blood clots, this uh, thrombocytopenia, um, thrombosis with thrombocytopenia syndrome, TTS, 
which has been reported. Um, but the um, but now the the FDA has weighed in. This was on May fifth of, of 2022. The FDA has really limited the authorized use of of the Janssen, the Janssen COVID nineteen vaccine to individuals eighteen years of older. And you can only really use it in two situations. One of them is um, uh, who uh, are authorized or approved um, COVID-19 vaccines are not accessible or clinically clinically appropriate. So if you can't get a hold of Pfizer or Moderna for some reason where you are and all you have is the Janssen, you could still potentially get it. And And if you're 18 years of age or older who would elect to receive the Janssen Johnson COVID-19 vaccine because they would otherwise not receive a COVID-19 vaccine. So I mean that you're refusing to take an mRNA vaccine, you can potentially still get still get um, the, 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 the Janssen vaccine. Um, so it's, it's a little tricky. John, can you tell folks a little bit about why this was done? Um, yeah. So Mariana, what they do, the FDA actually has sent a letter out to, to people, to healthcare providers, and it's very clear on a few points and it really helps us to understand why they came to this conclusion. First, remember that these cases, these TTS cases have already been reported. So we talked about this. And if you remember, we did a whole uh, series, a whole uh, vaccine thing where we talked about the pause, right? There was that Johnson, yeah, the Johnson pause, which, which occurred um, months ago last year. Um, but this new analysis reevaluated and investigated these cases. And the FDA has really determined that the risk of TTS, this thrombosis with with thrombocytopenia syndrome um, is important. Although it's a rare and potentially life-threatening and cause these life-threatening blood clots. Um, and again, with low platelets, it usually occurs one to two weeks following the administration of the vaccine from, 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 Jan, from, from Janssen, from J&J. So what they did was they now limited the authorized use of the vaccine. So the FDA has determined that the known potential benefits of the vaccine for prevention of COVID-19 still outweigh the risks for 18 years of older, um, and for those who may need the vaccine, but um, if you're if you, if, you, if you're not accessible, if you can't access the 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 mRNA vaccines, um, or if you are somebody who's going to elect to receive only the COVID-19 uh, vaccine from Johnson, um, then this would uh, this would be okay um, if if there's if you would otherwise not receive a COVID-19 vaccine. Um, so the, so what they did was they updated all the labeling and the fact sheets, and now reflect the the um, authorized use of, of the vaccine, including a warning statement now, um, which summarized the information for this uh, for this uh, this TTS, and additionally the information on the revision uh, to the authorized use of vaccine, and updated the information on this risk of blood clots with low levels of blood platelets. So all this has been updated uh, in December. Of the ACIP, which is the uh, one of the bodies that makes up recommendations for for vaccinations. I uh, made a preferential recommendation for the use of mRNA COVID-19 vaccines over the Janssen vaccine in patients 18 years of old. So that's different. Uh, and the ACIP actually recommended and CDC even endorsed that the um, that the that Janssen could be considered in some situations. And again, if they had contraindications uh, to receipt of an mRNA COVID-19 vaccine um, when a person would otherwise remain unvaccinated, uh, and also when a person wants to receive Janssen despite safety concerns identified. But, but the FDA and CDC have really continuously monitored for these cases of TTS, and they updated this analysis um, through March 18th, and they actually found a total of 60 confirmed cases that included nine fatalities, and that's higher than what the numbers were before. Again, the risk is very small. The FDA has determined that the reporting rate is about 3.2 per million doses. 
Um, and the TTS death rate is 0.48 per million doses of vaccine administered. So again, very, very rare to see this happen. So when making these determinations to limit the use of uh, the, the COVID-19 vaccine from Janssen, the, the agency considered a lot of the reporting of TTS and the TTS deaths um, that have been um, that have been um, uh, administered, you know, that per, per dose that's been administered, and they are not appreciably lower than previously reported. So, furthermore, the factors that put a person at increased risk for TTS following administration of this vaccine really remains unknown. So, it's really kind of hard to predict. And the FDA also considered that people who um, who do have this TTS may rapidly deteriorate. Again, even if you have, have prompt diagnosis and treatment, the TTS can lead to either long-term debilitating health um, uh, uh, consequences, and this TTS really does have a high death rate. So the agency considered the, the ability, um, the, the availability of alternative authorized and approved COVID-19 vaccines, which provides protection from COVID-19 and just don't have to have this risk for TTS. So the bottom line here is that the, the mRNA vaccines, the, 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 the Pfizer and the Moderna, don't have this TTS risk. And, and really, in my mind, I, again, I, I I could be jumping, you know, maybe saying too much here, but I, I just can't imagine anybody wanting to receive the, the Janssen vaccine based on some of this TTS data and some of these limitations for use. However, in those cases where patients are only going to get this, that vaccine, because it's one shot, if that's what they're thinking, or only one shot and one booster, however, however they are thinking about it, if that's the only vaccine they're going to get, or if they had a really bad reaction to mRNA, and with discussions, they're willing to try the, 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 Janssen, the Janssen vaccine, potentially there might be a silly role for some limited numbers of people. So ultimately, John, who should still be getting this J&J vaccine? Yeah, so only for individuals who experience an anaphylactic reaction after receiving an mRNA vaccine. Again, that's assuming that they've discussed this and the provider is willing to go forward and trying to use a, um, a, a different platform because again, this is a, a different platform than the mRNA vaccines. Individuals who have personal concerns receiving mRNA vaccines and are otherwise going to choose not to get it, you can still get Janssen. Um, or if it's uh, due to limited access, access to the mRNA COVID-19 vaccines, you could potentially get a chance in there too. So essentially, this is really a small, small list of people who should, who should still be receiving the, the, the Janssen vaccine. John, thanks so much for joining us and telling us about the latest updates in regards to the COVID-19 vaccines available to people now. We really hope you learned something new today. To learn more about Nika ATC's work and our role in ending the HIV epidemic, visit us at www.nikaatc.org. That's www.nikaatc.org. If you have questions or comments about anything we covered today, or if you have suggestions for topics you'd like to hear us talk about, don't hesitate to email us at podcast at nikaatc.org. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at nikaatc.org. Stay safe, and we'll see you on Thursday for our next episode of Nika in the Know. This presentation is supported by the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor an endorsement by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government.